What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Ryan. What's happening? And two special, very special guests this week, Mark Jake Parker from Release Date Rewind. How are you, bud? Hi. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for having me on. This is so cool. I'm so happy to have you on. And returning after our Oscar predictions, he had so much fun. He had a comeback. Tom is here. What is up, Tom? I know. If, you, if you're not careful, I might be a regular. I would not <laughs> mind that. You are awesome. Um, how are you doing today, Tom? Good? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. No complaints. Good. It's a sunny day in Connecticut. It is 95 yeah. degrees here. I am yeah. burnt. Oh, my God. I am burnt to a crisp after yesterday's uh, horror convention that I attended. Yes. How it, was it? So was it in Cherry Hill, David, or was so it in it, Pennsylvania? So they did it in Pennsylvania. They did it outside the greater, I think the convention center is called the greater philadelphia expo center so they did it in the parking lot there there was about when i was there it was about five to six hundred people oh uh, wow yeah ma- mostly everyone was masked up um there was only a few celebrities there some some people i wanted to get that i had not i had already met before but i like i'm a big fan and blasphemous to some i'm a huge fan of halloween three and um oh it's a good movie I, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I always, I always throw it out there as it's the prelude to American horror story in terms of like, you want to create this anthology horror. And that's what they wanted to do with Halloween. But I guess they were too ahead of their time because the original plan, as you guys sure are aware of after Halloween two, every, every year was supposed to be a different anthology similar to American right. horror story. So I always look at Halloween three as kind of like, the little engine that could have like imagine what could have been if they actually were able to do this and it was successful. The movie as a right. standalone, I love. I just think it's just some interesting concepts that are thrown in there. So I'm a huge stand for for Halloween three. So I went specifically to get. Uh, I have a poster from Halloween three from Bottleneck Gallery that's like about only fifty made to get Tom Atkins to sign. And Tom Atkins is like a horror god. I fucking love Tom oh, Atkins. Yeah. He is like awesome. But in terms of uh, masking up, everyone was masked up except Chrissy. Swanson. She's the only celebrity that was not messed up. Um, God damn it, Christy. Color me shocked. Um, In terms of the... the vendors, there was 150 vendors there. So it was good. Wow. To, yeah. It was good to see, especially since this con is very special. I spoke to Mark off the line about it. In time, you know, like everything with me and Monster oh, yeah. and like how I proposed to Jen there and everything. Um, it That's was awesome. The fact that we were able to get these vendors back and people finally making their money and all that stuff, you know, it good kudos to Dave and the entire crew on Monster Mania because it was a good time. My body doesn't feel it this morning. It's not very grateful. I am burnt to a crisp. Um, but I had a great time. And um, Mark, awesome. tell us a little bit about your podcast yourself before we get started. Oh, sure. Thank you. Yeah. So I uh, do some similar stuff to what you guys do for sure. Uh, my show, Release Date Rewind. Um, well, I guess first, if I should say, since Tom's on this show with us, Tom and I and our friend Fumi had a podcast for three years. I can't believe, Tom, it's already been 
almost a year since we called since it we shut quits down on that yeah. one. Wow. Yep. But so we had add this to your list, which um, very similar to Real Talk. We talked a lot about entertainment news and then got into what we were watching each week. Um, but then once that ended, I had this idea for a while because I love rewatching old movies that, you know, that we grew up with that yep. we love. Right. So release release date rewind. It's a monthly podcast. Um and I picked two movies that sort of have a similar theme or some sort of connection. And then we just rewatch and rejoice and talk about just what we love, what aged well. So the latest episode is The Craft and Twister. So nice. we're getting into some nice, fun, uh, Mother Nature gone wrong uh, action and, and thriller. Yeah. And, and that's then a- when I did, uh, I was a guest on Mark's episode where yes. we did Birdcage and Fargo. So if you're fans yep. of of those movies check out that episode and, and i know i know real talk did the birdcage too yep. so yeah, i we definitely have, adore yeah. the birdcage uh my uh, co-host ryan over here does not did not enjoy it as much uh, as i did we can kick ryan. him off now oh it's so funny but tom didn't lo- tom kind of saw it recently within the last year i remember tom and you thought it was good but not great i <gasps> think it is I it's think a classic it's just, it oh is, my god it's perfect it is Almost one perfect. it is one of the most bold beautiful thing SAG has ever done giving that movie ensemble the ensemble oh, win yeah. oh yeah totally it, it oh was my definitely God. ahead of its time the, they deserved movie. it and it's and it's crazy to think back then it was number one at the box office for like three weeks so people loved it it just is funny because you kind of don't hear much about it 25 years later you know it has its diehard fans but like you know yeah oh, my my i actually i was late to it as well my wife actually is the one that had me see it she's like i think you're gonna love robin will because i'm a huge robin williams fan and she's oh, like you're yeah. gonna love robin williams but nathan lane is what you're gonna adore here and then when i saw it and i'm like oh my god he should have won the oscar it is i i and i i said it's a travesty that he wasn't even nominated absolutely yeah incredible incredible stuff but um you also have a film out too right mark yeah, so Tom and I uh, produced a, a short film, a short uh, LGBTQ thriller horror called Family History that's been on the festival circuit since October 2020. And so this October 2021, we'll wrap up the year in the festivals um, and we'll put it on Amazon Prime for everyone out there. Uh, but we shot it, like we were saying, we shot it at um, Tom's beautiful house on Candlewood Lake in Danbury, Connecticut. A great, beautiful location with lots of room. Thank you, Tom. We used his boat for a couple scenes. Um, but yeah, Tom, do you want to tell them what it's about? I'll throw it over to you. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's about a couple, a fairly new couple. And, uh, one of the guys in the couple brings his boyfriend home to his ultra conservative, uh, father for a family lunch that goes horribly wrong. And that's all I'll mm-hmm. say. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw, I caught the trailer this morning and it looks great the cinematography is fantastic and uh yeah. like i mentioned the house is gorgeous so tom uh jenny and i will be visiting you open invite <laughs> open invite you guys gotta oh my god yeah so um good. so let's get into some of the news of the week a uh, couple of items here that i wanted to get your thoughts on so the first big news is even though mgm studios has is always trying to sell themselves that studio has been trying to sell themselves for years True. the rumor this week is that amazon is rumored to make a nine billion dollar offer to buy mgm i as someone that follows and I love old films, I think this is a huge deal for Amazon if they're able to acquire this library, not only for the 007 in terms of franchises, but the fact that you're able to capture all the old golden age of Hollywood films from the yesteryear. I think it is a huge deal and eventually and essentially puts Amazon right next to Netflix, Disney Plus in terms of 
uh, content because it is a huge, huge thing. Uh, Ryan, since you've been a little quiet, what are your thoughts on the deal? I think it's awesome. I agree. Like, like you said, having the old stuff, having the bond stuff, you know, right there gives them that content and gives them, you know, make some competition. Yeah. Tom, what are your thoughts on that? I think, I think it's bold. Um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head for me. Amazon hasn't had the best content Mm -hmm. uh, in comparison to Netflix, but now it's going to kind of be neck and neck. Yep. Mark, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. It's kind of freaking me out that Amazon just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, honestly. So this isn't surprising, uh, but it sort of just freaks me out that they just are able to continue their spread um, over all sorts of things. But like Tom said, yeah, Amazon content has been hit or miss. Um, I haven't really watched Amazon stuff lately. I do want to check out them. Um, but I think this is, you know, cool for them. And and like you were saying, David, it's a cool way to introduce a whole old backlog of of classic films you know um it just worries me yeah no i'm with you and and nine billion dollars is lunch money to bezos so it's not oh my god it's not, i know it's, it's gross it's nothing uh next <laughs> next bit of news ryan this is more for you i know you're gonna you're enjoying this one uh the bad boys for life directors team will be helming the background movie that will be coming to hbo max have you seen bad boys for life Ryan? i have not it is. Um, it, it's actually good. Michael Bay didn't direct it, so you are uh, <laughs> you're, you're in for a good one. Um, okay. No, I've been meaning to see it. It's just again, it's one of those movies that I don't just won't go out of my way. I need to find like if it comes to me, I'll watch it. But it just I haven't gone my way to see. But can't wait for the yeah. movie. Yeah, it's good stuff. I actually like the fact that um, it's going to be an HBO Max. Because I think if it does well on HBO Max and the sequel, if Batgirl gets a sequel, then you could just throw it on the big screens. I just love that that mm-hmm. Warner's has the capability to do this. Uh, Tom, mm-hmm. I know you're not super huge on the comic book genre. Have you seen Bad Boys for Life, at least? I have not. I've got nothing to chime in <laughs> it on is. this part of the episode. So if this, if this could intrigue you on Bad Boys for Life, it is a witch movie. It is kind of a horror movie. What? Okay. Ooh. There is a witch in this movie. That's all I gotta say. It is it is it is the best one out of the three, all jokes aside. So di- yeah. the directing team behind it I, I I can go in for. Um I'm not really big on the whole Batgirl movie thing, but you know, you're getting you get good directors behind it, you know. I'm I I give anything a shot that's comic book related. Who who are the directors of so, Bad Boys for Life? I don't me, even know. So it's a, it's a it's a duo. Let me get you the exact name. I don't want to butcher their names, so give me one second. Um give me one second. So their names are Balau Fala and Adil L R B. Gotcha. Okay, I so don't know them, but I didn't cool. know them See, either. But the only thing that makes me, made me happy about Bad Boys for Life is it says directors and Michael Bay is not next to it. That that's yeah. that's the, <laughs> that's a good thing for me. Um, it's funny. I went to the move on. yeah no one one quick second right like I went to the Quiet Place World premiere last year, and um I'm sitting there with my wife and like you know Krasinski's there, Emily Blunt's there, and mm-hmm. my wife knows how much I hate Michael Bay movies. <laughs> And je- so she points, she points me at the shoulder. And she's like, she's like, babe, I think that's Michael Bay. And I'm like, 
no, am I in the room with my sworn enemy? And I look, and I look down, and I'm like, holy fuck, it is fucking Michael Bay. That, oh my god, it was, it was, it was a very surreal experience to be in a room with my sworn enemy. I, I don't think I, yeah. I think I like two Michael Bay movies out of everything he's done. And Same. One, and yeah. I, and one of them, Sorkin, was a ghostwriter on. So he was a ghostwriter on the oh. rock. Oh. Yeah, he was a ghostwriter on the rock. Oh, was he? Okay. I do I do have a soft spot for the island with Ewan and Scarlett. I did like the island. Maybe I'm the only one. I I Tom? <laughs> uh I don't think I saw the island. <laughs> oh, I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh Ryan, you wanted to add something? Yeah, toward your comments on the background movie as a whole. Here's what I would do. Make it an origin story, but end with killing joke, and then the sequel be her becoming Oracle. Interesting. So for those Tom, if and Mark, if you aren't, if you've never read the Killing Joke, in that book, um, the Joker paralyzes Barbara Gordon, who is Batgirl, and then she becomes okay, yes. she becomes the Oracle, and she pretty much is the one that is behind the behind the scenes for any of Batman's her, missions. Batman's Jarvis. Yeah, so Jarvis is for for in Marvel terms, Jarvis is Iron Man's uh, uh, yes v- voice voice in his suit essentially. Yeah, right. Um, this next bit of news is definitely more along your lines, guys. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is going to receive a dark comedy biopic. So, I love the Disaster Artist. I think this mm-hmm. this could be. Very interesting if done right. Tom, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm super excited. I think it's a really original way to keep that franchise in the limelight if that's what they're looking to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the Disaster Artist as well. I liked both of the uh, Hitchcock-centric biopics about making of the birds. And um, what was the other one? Was the HBO one also a psycho? Okay, yeah. Right. Um, loved both of those. So I'm, I'm totally down. And to hear that it's going to be a dark comedy, that's that's an interesting angle. Mark, thoughts? Yeah, I think it's great. I think this franchise, uh, I know they made a new one with um, the girl from 8th grade, which is a very interesting casting choice. Us, uh, uh, I think Elsie Fisher. Yeah, Elsie Fisher, yeah. So, you know, we'll get that. And I'll I'll keep it an open mind, but I just think this franchise has sort of been tanking for a long time oh, yeah. and was always sort of bizarre. Um, I, do, I did kind of like that Renee Zellweger, Matthew McConaughey one in a very out there wacky way. But I think this is a great idea. I think uh, just the nature of making an independent horror film is crazy and wild and weird. So, yeah, let's let's add a little bit of humor to it. Um, I think it could be cool. And I agree. I loved the disaster artist. And if James Franco wasn't such a mess he would have absolutely gotten a nom yep absolutely you know yeah so if it's anything like that i'm totally in ryan have you seen any texas chainsaw massacre movie i believe so i just can't remember which one highly recommend outside of the first one which is a classic of course watch part two which is a fun horror comedy and give the remake a shot the remake 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 is what i saw Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a lot darker than the original. Not as mm-hmm. grittier than the original, but it is a lot darker than the original. I actually think you you uh, you would dig it if you haven't seen that. It's uh, a really heavy film from a character it's freaky. development. It's Yeah, at least I, and I it's, took it that way. And in terms of this, I'm in. I'm with you guys. I think this could be a nice spin on this 
overly dead franchise. I I I knew it was dead uh eight years ago. I was in the theater watching the Texas Chainsaw 3D. 3D, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, um that's the one with Trey Songs and the girls like cousins right. with uh Leatherface yeah. and she's like, Go get him, cuz and I'm like, Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's so that's the shark jump of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> it wasn't anything else but this. Um I do I do find it interesting. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So the new Fetty Alvarez one that's coming out this year. Right. It is going to be a direct sequel to part one and eliminate everything else, similar to Halloween. Mm-hmm. So what are you quick thoughts on like horror franchises doing that lately like do you do you like that or do you think they should just continue the continuity of the franchise because halloween i don't know if you guys knew this tidbit for halloween h2o you know how they redid you know they eliminated four five and six in the original Mm -hmm. script there was a moment where one of the i think it was michelle williams or the other girl they were giving a class presentation and during that presentation that presentation was about the haddonfield murders Oh, of 1988-89. What that Mm. would lead to a scene, and that's where Jamie Lee would find out that her daughter had died. Ah, see, I would have liked that. I I love H2O, but like, I do think the constant um, retconning Mm -hmm. of things is just kind of lazy. I Um, totally agree. You know, I get it. In Halloween, it's okay that they're doing it again, because that's just part of, I mean, they've been retconning since the third one, like you were saying, right? Like, so that's part of that thing with with the Leatherface Texas Chainsaw. I mean, I guess it's OK because I personally don't feel as attached to that franchise. If something like Scream or different franchises did it, I would really be upset because I just think it's lazy after yeah. all the work that's been done, you know. Um, but that would have been cool. I, that probably was Kevin Williamson's script because I know for H2O, he wrote a script. Yep. There were a few versions and I did hear about that. Yeah, that, that was it, interesting. That was in his script. And then um, the director, I forgot his name, who actually directed two Friday the 13th. Steve movie. Minor. Steve Minor. You'd think someone that was so ingrained in the horror franchises would say, you know what, let's keep some form of continuity. And it would have just been dope, like seeing Jamie or Lori go to the, cl- I, par- I think the, the scene that would follow is she would go to the closet and she completely broke down knowing that her daughter was dead. Like it was, that, right. that's, and it's so simple, a simple two minute scene to continue the continuity of the franchise, even though they would con- yeah. completely destroy it in resurrection. But, uh, Tom, what are your thoughts on the whole eliminating continuity? Um, it's okay for me. It, it works for me in Halloween. Um, Texas Chainsaw, I'm, to me, it doesn't have that kind of commercial, um, success as something like Halloween does. Yeah. So I don't know if people are going to care enough to see a direct sequel, um, to a movie that's, you know, 30 plus years old, but I'm on board for it. Yep. I'll check it out. And then Ryan, retconning, I know you're not too overly big on hard. Are you okay with the retconning? Retconning in general for movies, because I mean, think well, yeah, like can you imagine? I mean, Batman. we do, yeah, they do it all the time. True. Yeah, very true. That's true. Comic book <laughs> movies do do it often, so yeah, you're that's a good one. So you're probably definitely okay with that. Um, that's true. Yes, yeah, so I'm and used then, to it. And then the last <laughs> bit of news that I wish I could get my wife in because she is very passionate about this particular person. We are getting a shared biopic from Universal from the writer of Forrest Gump. I. I'm very excited for this. Universal is releasing it. The only the only thoughts I want from you guys is obviously OG thoughts on the movie itself, but casting. Who do you think should play Cher 
Tom, I'll start with you. So I've thought a lot about this over the weekend <laughs> since we started talking about it uh, midweek last week. But I think they're going to have to cast several people because I think they're going to do a young share, middle age share and share older. Um, I think, you know, without knowing the details of, of how far into her life the script goes. Um, I, my hope is that they do a mix of unknowns and famous people. Um, and if I had to pick somebody, so bear with me, I don't, I'm not even sure you're going to know her name when I throw it out there. So this may be a womp womp once I say it. But um, if she has any acting chops, the one person I think that could pull it off is country music artist Casey Musgraves. And if you don't know her, Ooh. look her up. I've heard I've heard of her, but I've never heard her, her music. Work. Her music is great, I have to say, and I don't even like country. But is she an actress, Tom? Does she? I don't think so. No, but I would love for her to take some lessons because physically, I think she can pull off a younger share. Yeah. Wow. This is tricky. Oh my gosh. I haven't thought about casting at all, but I would um, think it'd be really cool if they just go. Now, do we know? And Tom, Tom made me think of this because I know the musical that Tom saw. I didn't get to see the Broadway musical. It had three different. Actresses, yeah. is this at all inspired by the musical? I or don't believe. This- I don't believe so. I saw the musical as well. That's why I actually yeah. do like Tom's idea of like casting three yeah. different. And I, I, I'll obviously relay that message to my wife because I'm sure she'll like that idea too. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's based on the musical, but I do okay. like the concept of three different shares. Uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be now, cool since share is so uh, so many different people. It would be cool to see a couple different people. You know, like that Bob Dylan movie from a, like 10 oh, years ago, yes, I'm not yes, there, I that remember. was kind of slow, but like to have some different people play her could be cool, you know? I think um, if if Stephanie J. Block is interested, I mean, she obviously won the Tony mm. for playing Cher, so if she's interested in doing the movie, I think she's a, a very logical Well, choice. as we saw with a Dear Evan Hansen trailer this week, I don't think they want, we, we're, we're going to be casting people who played him on the Broadway shows anymore. You guys mm. know the controversy with that, which is, I think it's ridiculous. You know, it could be interesting if it's like a, one of the few people who were Broadway and now are movie stars. Like, I don't know if Idina Menzel is the right fit, but like someone like that who is now like Ooh, a bona fide star, but also has a, years of actual performing experience, you know? So it's tricky, but that's why I think just go with an unknown. There's yeah. less pressure. Cast a really famous person as like the number two and three roles, whatever. But just go with an unknown. You know? I, I agree. And as long as Baz Luhrmann is not the director, I'll continue to be excited. That's <laughs> yeah. all. Uh, Ryan, any are you a fan of Cher? I respect the hell out of her, but she's not on my playlist. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, she, I love she sh- that. That's a great way to put that, Ryan. She should be. She should be. Love Cher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the, the writer that I mentioned before, Eric Roth, he's actually he adapted Killers of the Flower Moon. So he just wrote the Scorsese film, and he also directed, he co-wrote the uh, uh, Dune with Denis Villeneuve. So, oh, wow. Uh, He's having a moment. Yeah. So this is, it's great, great. Uh, wow. Great nod to, to the writing team. It's really funny how writers, I feel like, especially are really of the moment. You know, like yeah, even when I you agree. think of like years in the past, like this writer came off this big movie, and now they have like eight big movies in a row, then they might kind of get quiet for a little bit, you know? Like, it's funny how you want to snatch them up right away. And, and then the just... last thought on the share uh, film before we move on, they can't make the same mistake being the Ricardos did. That's... Oh, well, what's that mistake? The casting issues, that all the controversies gotcha. for casting. That's why I kind of like your idea, Mark, of like having a no-name, because this Nicole Kidman thing, I 
like I Love Lucy is my favorite show of all time, and I'm very oh, yeah. I'm such a huge fan of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. So this is this project is very close to me as a fan of the of them. I've been arguing with my wife on this for. She, she just walked into the room as she snaps her <laughs> finger at me. Would you like to say something? <laughs> you can. You come can come on, in. Jenny. You can come in. Come in. You you can come in. Go. Video? Yeah, we're on video right oh, now. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Tom. Go ahead. Say come what on. you need to say for the masses. Oh, I'm so. I'm not for this movie. I'm probably not going to watch it because I love Lucille Ball. I love Desi Arnaz. I love I Love Lucy, and I cannot stand this casting. And I'm a little pissed off because my choice for Desi would be Danny Pino from Law and Order, and he is in Dear Evan Hansen. So I guess he's good enough for a major motion picture musical, but I guess not good enough for Aaron Sorkin and his sensitivities, right? Ow! Yeah, I yeah, love that. yeah. Wow. So I mean, I love Javier Bardem, but I he's not he's not Desi, and he's mm. not the the dialect is so much different. So these are the arguments that we've been Nicole having every day. Nicole can do anything. That's what I well, told her. Nicole, Nicole is great, but I'd love to know real quick what are what is your pick? Who is your pick, David and Jenny for Lucille? For, for me, I she wait. You already gave Nicole Kidman, Elizabeth Montgomery, and Bewitched, and look at the travesty that that is. Ooh, Ooh yeah. So, well Jenny, said. you have to stay for one second. So, my pick was the original pick who dropped out. Uh, Kate Blanchett hey. was originally supposed to play Lucille Ball. Wow. And I think Kate is probably, if not one, the best actress working today, and she could do anything. She's a little too tall, but I think she... I. Jenny's about to come in and throw shade at me because for this casting, because uh, she's gonna tell me she already played she already played Cat, and she won the Oscar for playing Hepburn. She can, doesn't have to win the Oscar for playing Lucy, but if anyone could do it, look how great she was as Catherine Hepburn. Kate Blanchett would have been my pick, and for Desi, I would have gone with who Jenny would have gone with as yeah. well. Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah. yeah. So I'd rather have Kate Blanchett now than Nicole Kidman. At least her yeah. face moves. So, oh. do you want to know who my pick is, Jen? Go for it, and I'll let Jen know. Jen, stay right here, real quick. Michelle Williams, I think. Michelle Williams Ball. was is Tom's pick. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Lucy. Throw a red wig on her, and she would have Throw knocked it out of the park. She would have knocked it out of the park. I could see that. This is this is great. This is great. I'm not totally against that because I really liked how she did Gwen <laughs> Gwen Verdon in um right Fossey in Fossey Verdon. Right. I was trying to think. I was like, what the hell was that thing called? But yeah, like I do like. So I feel like she would probably embody the character a lot better. Yeah, that's Th- a good point. Thank thanks for your guest spot, Jenny. <laughs> You're welcome anytime. Miss you. And she was Marilyn Monroe. So did you did you yeah. want to did you want to give your thoughts on who do you want to play Cher? We just finished that conversation. The only person I initially thought of was Lady Gaga, but yeah, me too. She's That's very short, so I don't know. But and the voice is a little deeper, so I guess she could do it. But it's hard. It's hard. It's I feel hard. like Cher would play Cher. Yes, that's what I was saying. The old Cher should just be current, real Cher, and she'd win the Oscar for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she would. <laughs> I I always find it funny. We're 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 moving on now, but I always found it funny that Judy Garland. That Renee Zellweger won the Oscar for playing Judy Garland, and Judy Garland could never win the Oscar, which she should have mm. won for. She should have won for *A Star Is Born* back in. Wow, uh, that's right. she did not. Yeah. Win. that is crazy, isn't it? So crazy. That's why, in my opinion, awards ultimately don't mean 
anything in the long run. Well, they just at, mean things in the moment. Look at this year. I love Nomadland, but Francis mm-hmm. McDormand should not have beaten Carey Mulligan. And I no way that should have happened. But, you know, the Oscars are the Oscars. They yeah. definitely was. All right. So let's move on to a little segment I call what we watch this week. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to kick it off with you. Do you have any highlights that you saw this week? Um, Mitchell's versus Machines. How awesome. How fucking awesome was that movie? It was good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, and the any biography pick on Shawn Michaels, which was also very good. Nice. Hmm. Tom, do you have any highlights this week? Yeah, so... <laughs> oh, and Mulholland Drive. Of course. Oh, obviously. <laughs> um, we are on, we've just got one episode left. Jeff and I have one episode left of Halston. Um... So, so yes, so I'm, I finished it last week. What are your thoughts? Um, it's okay. I I really like it, but I don't think that they. It's it's a little too surface level for me. They did okay. not go real in depth on what made him tick as a person, um, what haunted him, what didn't, why he was the way he was. It kind of it it captured his professional life very well, but I wanted to know a little bit more on the personal side. Yeah, I'm on mm. I'm on the same boat. You know what I thought was great though. Fantastic, fantastic fantastic performance and the woman that plays so liza clever. i wouldn't be surprised mm. if she gets an emmy nom for yep, it spot she, on she's from she's from that show smash remember smash oh, years yeah, ago yeah, uh-huh yeah, yeah. any Krista a, rodriguez I any think. other highlights tom no that's it all right mark uh what about you any highlights you want to what have i been watching yes um some goods and some bads so i watched army of the dead but i'm not gonna lie everybody i fell asleep because it was <gasps> just way too slow and way too long and Zack snyder needs someone to say a zombie movie should only be an hour and 40 minutes um <laughs> it's two and a half two hours, and a half hours. Um, so I would, f- I fell asleep, but luckily because it was so loud, we just kept it playing. Um, I would wake up and, you know, I saw the zombie tiger. I saw some big moments overall though, you know, Netflix needs to get their act together because they're just pumping out a lot of meh content. Um, but some good stuff. Um, I, uh, am liking girls five Eva, a mm. sitcom on Peacock, really funny, really cute, a little cheesy, like your kind of typical NBC show could be. But um, good casting. Um, the new Tina Fey is Sarah Bareilles. She's actually really great. And then um, I actually ro- just watched a, an old movie uh, that I missed. An old movie from 2008 called Eden Lake. Okay. Um, oh. Starring Michael Fassbender. Have you seen that one, Tom? No, it's been on my list for forever to check out because yes. I know people talk about it like underground, like cult yes. classic kind of way. It's 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 one that a lot of people kind of missed. I believe it's a British movie. Um, it's also with oh my gosh, I want to say her name's Kelly Riley, redhead. We've seen her in different yep. things. Really brutal, and Jack O'Connell, who has become a thing in recent years. Um, really brutal, scary movie. You know, set in the woods and at the lake. And these actors really gave it their all. And uh, check that out, Eden Lake from two thousand eight. Nice, that's great. So on my end, I working from home allows me to just watch movies all day so i kind of just always have movies playing in the background so this week some of the highlights um i i saw army of the dead about a week ago uh mm-hmm. i agree with you it is just too 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 long too many characters like, uh, come on. i also saw those who wish me dead and tom and i talked about this off the line yeah i didn't love it i thought it was aggressively mediocre yep that's perfect 
perfect. I thought it was. I, it, it surprised me. I I kind of actually liked it. I totally forgot I saw it. <laughs> Whoops. And same with Woman in the Window. I actually kind of liked that last week. Um, but my expectations for streaming movies is really really low. So I could see if you if someone was really excited for it, you could be disappointed. Yeah, for sure. I also saw. <laughs> I went on a Stanley Kubrick binge. So I've actually Kubrick's my in my top three favorite directors of all time but i've always avoided barry linden because it's Mm. three hours and i despise period costume pieces (laughs) um but it's actually really good really really good i was shocked of how how much i liked it but the two highlights that i wanted to do i want i went on a david lynch binge i saw eraser hair blue velvet twin peaks mulholland drive the elephant man um i saw cruella and oh, I can, yeah. And I can talk about it, which is great. Ooh. So it is, I think, will be the biggest surprise of the summer in terms of how good it is. It is the most, it is the yes. kudos to Disney for making a movie that is not for kids. This mm. movie is a, it is a comic book villain origin film. That is exactly what it is. It is, she, so Emma, the Joker comparisons are, are yes, warranted. Yes, it is warranted. Wow. I actually, listen, I know Ryan's going to kick my ass for this one, and I love Joker, (laughs) but I think this one is more fleshed out than Joker is. Wow, okay. Look at the look on his face. You meet meet Cruella as a little girl, which I did not expect you would, and then you transition her as a little girl to when she gets to London, how she meets Horace and Jasper. What mm. are her motivations to do what she eventually becomes? And obviously, I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, the Emmas are electric. Like, I heard that. E- I heard absolutely electric. I mean, Emma Thompson, she's won two Oscars and all that yeah. fun stuff. This may be one of my favorite performances of hers in years. She is so oh. over the top. She is hilarious. And for Emma, the other Emma... I think this is my favorite performance of her since La La Land. I think she is cool. so damn good in this movie. I wish the Globes weren't complete assholes and the Oliver Foreign Press weren't complete pieces of shit because I think she would steamroll the Globes. She would absolutely wow, steamroll. Yeah. yeah. And wow. I and for you, Tom, I kind of wanted to com- compare and contrast, so I immediately watched 101 Dalmatians just to compare oh, her to Glenn. Oh, so good with Glenn, yeah. Um, She is... Leaps and bounds better than Glenn. Glenn goes. Wow. Glenn goes for a different type of performance. Glenn goes for like campy from the jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. That's e- fair. Emma's Cruella gets there, but she is not campy from the jump. The costume. Mm-hmm. The MVP of the film outside of Emma's the costume designer. These are some of the best costumes. I will. I think you'll see Oscar all nominations? year. I think it should win. Gucci For probably. Yeah. It's, okay. yeah. I think Gucci will probably be its competition. I think that's the only other fashion movie coming out this year. But it's Emma had. I did a little bit of research in writing my review. Emma had forty six different costumes throughout the movie. Whoa! And it's long too. It's like two it's hours, two fifteen minutes long. Yeah, isn't it? Two, yep. Oh, come on! I know, I know, I know. The length will hurt some. It'll bother some. For me, it didn't really get because I really, it really didn't bother me too much because I know you know they really started her as a young kid and worked their way up to where we got at the end. There is a Marvel like that's why compared to the comic film, there is a Marvel like post credit scene that will make you smile if you like 101 dalmatians it'll really make you smile um wow and then the other movie that so i real can real quick yeah 
just based off the runtime alone, if they did add, if Joker added that extra time, then they would have been able to flesh it out more. So just Ooh. based off the runtime, you can't make that comparison. Joker is two. <laughs> Joker's is only ten minutes shorter than Corella, right? <laughs> Wow, but this is an interesting idea that Ryan I'm has. Totally yeah, excited, yeah. I mean, and I love Joker. Joker was my one of my favorite movies of 2019, and um, oh, how adorable! For for those listening, uh, Ryan is kissing his wife goodbye. Um, <sighs> so I know, I know, Ryan. You know, we have discuss- we've had discussions on Joker on this podcast for years already. So yeah. we're not going to bore the listeners with this, but <laughs> I. Trust one me. one quick thing about yes. Cruella, I heard, and maybe David, you can confirm. Um, this is the finally the first out gay character in Absolutely. a Disney movie. Yeah, like yep. like blatantly gay. Blatantly right? gay. Yeah, and the best about part time. about time. And the best part about it, and I was talking to my, to Jenny about this, is the fact that it's not something that's made into a deal. It exists and it just is and i love that about it um and he's great he's absolutely fantastic in the movie he he's not a character that you've seen before he's actually a brand new character to the story so he's not anyone that was in 101 dalmatians as like a straight character that is now a gay character it is a brand new character that i think you guys will love he is and he he is very much he reminds me of um he had the because it was a punk is during the punk era um Reminds me of Bowie. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, from the photo I saw, that's spot on. Yeah, and then the nice. soundtrack to the film is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The music, wow. is, it is not like Gotti in 2018 where you're playing Pitbull in the 1970s. It is a <laughs> true-to-life uh, soundtrack that really fits with the time. So, yeah. the embargo, Refresh my the, memory. Yes. Is it uh, on Disney Plus regular or are they going the no, Mulan route? No, they're going the Mulan route. And people okay. will be paying for it. I think that movie is going to make a lot of money. Um, I'm down. Yeah, it, it, it's wow. worth. It's definitely worth a watch. It's in my. It's in my top ten favorites of the year so far. Uh, and then I could. It. I can actually talk about this because the embargo lifted last week. A Quiet Place Part Two, um, is everything that A Quiet Place it, Part One is. It is full of tension. Krasinski directs the hell out of this film. It is beautifully shot. It is beautifully directed. The tension. There is a scene like if you're doing a comparison to Part One, the scene that comes to mind with me is uh, when Emily's giving birth as the most. Oh ten- my god! Yes. The scene in Part Two that matches that is better than that. Wow. Okay. Although yeah. I will say, I think uh, in part one, when the baby uh, is in danger, I think that was a little more tense for me than uh, than Emily giving birth. Mm. You remember when the um, the basement that they're in is, is that when did she hides it behind the waterfall? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. That. Yep. It's better than that one too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited. That's my return to the movie theaters next Saturday night. Um, AMC quiet place part two. I cannot it'll, wait. I think it'll be a great return. It is. I think you, you really dig it. And the fact Krasinski knows not to overextend his welcome. Mark, I think you and I will get along very well when it comes to runtime because I can't stand oh. overly long movies. I like a right. movie getting in and out. Uh, quiet place part two is only 95 minutes. Yeah. Oh wow! I have to say, I'm surprised at actually how short that is. I would have thought, okay, I can see this for like an hour fifty. Yeah. But wow, ninety five. In and out, right. and that's ninety five minutes with credit, so it's probably like one twenty, one twenty eight. I mean, oh, one twenty eight, one thirty. Wow. All so, right. Yes. Getting into Halloween H two O territory. Right. right. How that was like <laughs> eighty five minutes. <laughs> oh man, Halloween! I can't wait for Halloween Kills. I, I, I. Yeah. The script leaked, and I read it, and. <gasps> 
Oh, can you yeah. send it to me? Because I would love to read it. Me? Yeah, you yeah. sure you want to read it? I do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Is it good? It's a lot more violent than Hollow. The body count is insane. The ending is going to divide a lot of people. (gasps) Oh, I think I know what that means. Uh oh. Uh oh. And no, and it's not that, but it's 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 similar. Similar in terms of the divisiveness. Um. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very curious. Actually, I'll, I'll send it. I, I found it on Reddit, so I can send, I can send okay. it your way. Uh, if please, it's, Dave, please. Yeah, if it's still there, I'll obviously send it to you. Um, if not, I will f- search for it for you. So, yeah. all right. So that wraps up what we watched this week. Let's jump into it. Why the guys are here? We are looking at the 20th anniversary of one of the most divisive directors <laughs> of all time, actually, David Lynch. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Mulholland Drive. I think. Mulholland Drive is quite the unique film. It is um, confusing, to say the least. I guess that's where we can start off. Yep. I'm going to start with Ryan, because this is Ryan's Ryan's popping his cherry on Mulholland Drive after (laughs) popping his cherry on Twin Peaks last year. So in comparisons to the two, because Mulholland Drive was supposed to be a Twin Peaks spinoff, what do you think of Mulholland Drive, Ryan? So, honest opinion, at, for the longest part of the movie until the end, it felt like someone was trying to do a poor man's Twin Peaks. Mm. Interesting. Like, I wasn't, I, I was digging it and not digging it because of the Twin Peaks comparison. I'm like, no, it's no Twin Peaks to me. Can I ask you a question, Ryan? Do you think if you would have watched this before Twin Peaks, it would have hit you better? Probably. Interesting. And Tom, this is a second watch for you on Twin on Mulholland Drive. Was the second watch? I had seen it years ago, like when it first came out, because I remember like the big talk of the town being the lesbian sex scene with mm-hmm. Naomi Watts, right? Like that's what everybody was talking oh, yeah. about. So I saw it. Fairly shortly after it had uh, come out years ago um, and then just rewatched it last week for the first time. Um, I I will say this. It never bored me. It was all, it always hooked me in and I always was interested to see what was going to happen. But I mean, the level of bizarre is just otherworldly, otherworldly. And it's not even his most bizarre film. There is a movie before we move to Mark called Lost Highway. Yes, Lost Highway. Changes, that scared the crap out of me. It that that scene in the at the party is chilling. Mm. With that, I forgot. I forgot the actor's name. Where, Robert Blake. Yes, I think it was Robert. Who Blake. then like really murdered someone, didn't he? Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh huh. Yeah. He's so scary in that movie. Tom in in Lost Highway during the middle of the movie without explanation, they changed the lead character actor. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like no mm. explanation. It is. And you never find out why either. And, and then, I'm trying to remember who who play who do they switch? Do they switch Bill Pullman or Patricia Arquette? Bill Pullman. And who plays him in the second half? I forgot. That's how Let little. Me... That's how little I remember about the person. Yeah, that... it's it's a doozy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that one in a while. It's towards the bottom of my Lynch, but like just to show, like Lynch does get fucking even weirder. But Mark, on rewatch, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've seen this movie a few times. Probably maybe this was maybe my fourth time. Um, you know, I love 
I love the Hollywood stuff. I love, you know, showing the behind the scenes, that whole crazy audition that would never happen. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, this movie, I mean, you guys have to really answer a lot of questions. I wrote a page and a half of notes. I got um, you. <laughs> you know, it, uh, I think I have theories I do appreciate. And I, the first time I saw it and every time, what scared the crap out of me in this movie is the scary hobo in the back oh, yeah. of the diner. And then that, like, it's like never <laughs> it's never it's never not again. scary right it's never oh, really explained but you know that's the actress that plays the, the nun so i love her she's yep. got her that's, she's no way. it is yep so oh, that yeah was, that's the nun she's been in a bunch of things i forget her name but that's her yeah. yep that was actually i have a, a couple of facts like fun facts about the oh, movie yeah. and that was actually one of them yeah that bonnie arons is is bonnie the Arons. that's it yes. that's it um so yeah let me jump in to the production of the film and then we'll just dive into some of the I, I you said you have a page and a half of notes so i hope we're able to answer all your theories your questions here um so originally it was conceived as a television series mulholland drive began as a 90 minute pilot produced for touchstone television and it was intended to be on abc similar to twin peaks uh ironically lynch was actually quoted and wrote i will never do television again on a piece of plywood before this pilot was even released uh originally it was meant to be a spinoff to twin peaks to the character of audrey audrey would be le leaving twin peaks and she would go off to hollywood to to become an actress which makes sense for someone that you know i adore twin peaks and seeing a character of audrey i can actually see her as someone that would go off leave the town go become a star in hollywood so i believe she would be the naomi naomi watts character um, he described Lynch went on to describe the attractive attractiveness of the idea of the pilot, despite the knowledge that the medium of television would be constricting. He says, I'm a sucker for a continuing story. Theoretically, you can get a very deep story and you could go deep and open the world so beautifully, but it takes time to do that. And this kind of resembles kind of Ryan's thoughts on Twin Peaks because the original concept of Twin Peaks was for you to never find out who killed Laura Palmer. So that show was supposed to end and we were never supposed to know who killed Laura Palmer, which would have pissed a lot of people off in 1990, 1991. Mm. Now I think it would work perfectly fine yeah. because I think what Lynch does well, what Twin Peaks works so well is because is that you fall and you really are taken into the characters within the town. It's not just about Laura Palmer. It's about Cooper. It's about um, the log lady. It's about everyone else in Twin Peaks, not just Laura Palmer. So uh, I dug that aspect of it. Once the 90-minute pilot failed, Lynch said, you know what, we're just going to shoot. We're going to finish the, this and turn it into a movie. The movie was submitted to Cannes. It premiered on May 16th, and David Lynch actually won Best Director at con for the film uh the movie is long it's 146 minutes the budget was 15 million dollars it only made 20 million dollars at the box office which is oh really yeah that's surprising because everyone was raving about it for a long time that's surprising at the oscars it was only nominated for one oscar it was nominated for lone director for david lynch would be yeah. he is the i believe he is the only director to get a director nomination twice as a lone director oh it, what was he nominated for before blue velvet so he was nominated for oh, blue okay so in terms of that it was also nominated at BAFTA for music and editing it actually won editing at the globes it was nominated for drama director screenplay and score 
AFI nominated for movie of the year director, actor, uh, composer. It was nominated for the Palm. I mentioned that it won director at Cannes. Uh, and then it won a whole bunch of critics prizes throughout the season for picture, actress, director. So it was, it was loved. MBM, uh, National Society of Film Critics actually gave Naomi Watts a win for best actress. And I think she should have been nominated for the Oscar. I think she's that good in it. That's my, she is really fascinating and fantastic. I think what made her not get the nom is you just have no idea what the hell yeah. is going on. Yeah. You know? But yeah, she's so good. Yeah. I think this movie, and I, I'd love to get your guys' opinion on this, if it was released today in this new Academy, it would be adored. I think it would be a full-fledged 10 nomination movie, I think. Or do you th- I don't know. Or do you think oh, it's still too know. weird? You still think it's too weird? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Hereditary. Tony oh, yeah. Couldn't break yeah. through with a That's nom. true. You know, some weirder movies, people still the the these these groups still are weird with them. So I don't know. All right. I think maybe indie spirits or like you know uh, smaller you know awards maybe. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. So let's move on to some of what's age best and age worst in this movie. Ryan, I'm gonna kick it off with you. What do you what do you have for age best here? I really only have one thing, and because it's really just and it's strong female leads. Nice. Mm. So yeah. I will follow up with this because I have a, I wrote a whole bunch of notes here for for age <laughs> best. So I think Lynch's surrealist methods works has aged really well because a lot of directors, uh, you look look at Ari Aster, look at Robert Eggers. That's the types of movies that they're making today, and they are completely beloved because The Lighthouse is a mind fuck. Midsommar mm-hmm. is a mind fuck, and I think his surrealist methods really work. A lot better today uh you kind of mentioned it before ryan i don't look at it as a poor man twin peaks but moholland definitely feels like it is a stepchild of twin peaks there's a lot of things from twin peaks that i see here like the blue key feels like uh the red room the black mm-hmm. lodge the the uh the blue room at the end of the movie feels like the red room there's like a lot yeah. of similarities there um this feels like it's a neo-noir on acid, and I think that's aged really well for me. Naomi Watts' performance, like I mentioned before, I put this in the age best and age worst, but that studio, that studio exec casting scene that Mark mentioned oh before, that would never, ever happen again. That's in my age worst as well. Uh, the score, I think that score is really, really solid. I mentioned the blue room scene. Um, I the, mentioned the blue key the similarities and the importance to Twin Peaks and the Green Ring. If you guys watch Twin Twin Peaks with the Green Ring, how important that is. So I think that's age well in terms of its comparisons to Twin Peaks. Uh, Tom, do you have anything in in that age best for you there? Yeah, I just I think the it's perception the way it portrays Hollywood in that time period. Mm-hmm. I think aged has aged really well. Gotcha. Um, because what do you think? Is it? I know that there's never really. It's never really certain what time period, but late eighties is is kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking nineties. Oh, were you? I, I thought it was yeah nineties. It gave me like a Scream Three Hollywood mm-hmm. vibe. Same so here. Like, like two thousand. Yeah, I thought it was. Like I thought the cars day. were a little too old for nineties mm-hmm. still. Um, mm-hmm. 
the cars is what made me think of 80s. But yeah, it it, it, it just captures L.A. really well, too, um, outside of Hollywood, right? Like, we all think it's, like, glitz and glamour and Ugh, some of those yeah, shots of, like, you know, the diner and other places in town are pretty spot on and pretty accurate. And it's not all, you know, houses up in the hills. Uh, there's some really rough parts. Um, so I thought that that was captured really well. Nice. Mark, what about you? What aged well, I totally agree with you guys. Great female leads. I think Naomi Watts's performance and Justin Thoreau's performance, because um, we kind of forget about him, even though it's weird that he is the first name in the opening credits. I don't love that because it's very much Naomi's movie. Um, so that's just like... I guess he just had a great agent get him top billing but i think the two of them their performances have really aged well yep. i mean they are giving it their all even if i feel like i had her a long time ago naomi watts never even knew what she was doing she just sort of you know listened to what david was saying and just did her best so there you go i think that aged well i think yeah the look and feel of hollywood and how it feels both modern but old um has been a fun rewatch that's aged well um I have I just find this all so confusing. I don't know what else aged well. Oh, maybe um I do love and I was waiting for it because I forgot it happens at the very end, the um party at Justin Thoreau's house. Yeah, that's so a like great just scene. the whole look of the LA party that was, you know, that we've seen before in movies, Boogie Nights, Scream Three, you know. But the house in the hills, you know, and the whole party, I feel like that has aged well and always looks fun, even if it is dated. Was that know? was that shot at Tom's LA house? I know, right? Up in the hills. Have you guys <laughs> ever driven down Mul- or up Mulholland Drive? I've, I've actually never. I've actually never been it's- to LA. Oh, you've never oh, been wow. to LA, Dave. Whoa, yeah. weird. Okay, you got to go do that. It's a little overrated. But um, <laughs> Mulholland Drive is no joke. If you guys have ever driven it, it's treacherous. Like winding roads, very little barrier. I mean, I kind of wish the movie had more to do with actually Mulholland Drive and like the winding roads because they are dangerous. At least they were when I went like and this 20 is, years ago. This is something I didn't have in my fun facts or anything like that, but it's something that I read a couple of years ago that Lynch named the movie Mulholland Drive as a tribute to Sunset Boulevard because that's one of his favorite mm-hmm. films. Okay, makes sense. And then Age Worse here. Um, yeah, so I'll... I'll kick it off because I'm sure we all uh, have uh, the same thing. So I put it in quotes. This is an early prognosticator of signs of sexual harassment by Hollywood executives. Okay. I mean, this that scene is something. It is something, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I also have... Um, while I wouldn't consider it completely aging worse, Lynch's ambiguity may rub people the wrong way. Like I can Absolutely. see, I I when I finished Twin Peaks, the 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 return, the final season, I was watching it with Jenny, and she was like, "Ah, oh, the it the show ends in a very ambiguous way," and she mm. was like, "Oh, well, you know, I didn't really like it. There really wasn't any closure." But I always liked the fact that Lynch lets you as a cinephile, lets you as a viewer, sit and think about what the true meaning of his films and work actually mean. That's why I like his stuff. Um, despite how crazy some of the shit that he does is, but yeah, th- I did. I think that my, in terms of age where that's my main, main one that, ho- that pretty much prognosticator of how Hollywood executives really are. Uh, Tom, do you have anything similar there? <laughs> 
I mean, as far as in terms of what aged worse, I don't know. Can I say the whole movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, David. The ambiguity of it. Um, and and like I got the sense all along. Even I remember watching it as a teenager, um, the first time that like. There were some aspects of it that were real and some that were clearly a dream. But the intertwining of that is just never clear. And when you leave somebody walking away with a headache because they're trying to figure out what it is they <laughs> just saw, that's never a good thing. And, and, and you know, not everything has to be explained in a film. There, there are some really good films that do it well where you walk away going, huh, what is the meaning of that? Or what's the interpretation of that? Or what is that supposed to symbolize? But there's just too much of that in this film. Um, by the mm. end that, yeah, it just, it just ruins the experience for me. And it, uh, what about you, Mark? What are you saying for you? What aged poorly? What did not age? Well, I agree the, the amb and here, here, here's the thing, guys, I love some ambiguity, like, especially at this time, remember like this came out right around the time we had Requiem for a Dream, who, which wasn't ambiguous, but it had a lot of the similar kind of shots, a lot of really wild visuals and erratic stuff we had memento which was a crazy mind fuck and then we had donnie darko which i was obsessed with i loved the ambiguous ending i love that stuff but something with mulholland it's too ambiguous for me and i just truly don't know what i'm watching and i put two and a half hours of my time into it that's maybe what sucks the most so that's <laughs> an age well also i have to say and i've talked about this on my show a couple times too with movies of this era whoa women's fashion <laughs> fashion in general but women's fashion especially in that iconic and bizarre audition scene that we've been talking about like the the what they call the casting agent which uh, everyone just said letting everyone know there is not such a thing called a casting agent a lot of people say that you either have a casting director or a talent agent so i thought it was interesting that david lynch in his script said oh yeah this she's the most sought after casting agent i was like mm, that's not a thing anyway but her baggy um you know, women's, uh, you know, female suit. I just, some of the fashion was just ooh, rough. Um, so that didn't age well for me. So I think those are the two big things for me. Ryan, what do you have? The audition and no cell phones. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that kind of goes back to what, uh, well, no, if we're, th if we're thinking it's in the 90s, there wouldn't be cell phones either, unless you got those Zach Moore cell phones uh, yeah, yeah. out was there. Was she kind of rich in the beginning? Like, in the very beginning, we're supposed to think she's, like, some rich hoity-toity, so she should sort of have some type of car phone. You're right, yeah. That's true. And you're right. Are there no cell phones no, at there all isn't. in the entire movie? Yeah, no. I don't think so. That's a good That's a good fine, right? I didn't even notice yeah. that. Huh. All righty. So we have some categories here that I like to run through. Uh, regarding the movie. So the first category is called That Guy Award, the Joe Spinell Award. For you guys that don't know who Joe Spinell is, I named this award after Joe Spinell because every movie that he was in in the 70s and 80s, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from The Godfather. So Joe Spinell is, for you guys that don't know, he's Willie Chichi in The Godfather. He is also the star of the horror, uh, the horror film. Very, very... Ooh. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I just looked him up. I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yes. Ma Maniac. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I, I actually haven't seen the original, but the Elijah Wood remake messed me up. Whoa, no, whoa. watch. If you can watch the original, that'll fuck Ooh. you up. And then Tom, oh, God. Tom Savini did the effects for Maniac and incredible practical effects. Uh, so yeah, yeah that, so that's why I named it after him. 
Ryan, who's your that guy here? I didn't have one because I've only seen this once. So how can you? <laughs> <laughs> what Tom? Do you have anybody here? No, nothing's coming to mind. Oh really? All right. I thought I I was surprised. There's a lot of familiar faces in this, uh, in my opinion. But I I actually but... I'm probably I'm probably gonna get a lot of baggage for this one because I know he I believe he won Emmys, but I went with Justin Thoreau. <laughs> oh, oh really? As as you're that guy? Yeah, because like after that, I mean. I saw him all on Drive, and then, like, I've seen... He does a lot of TV, right? That's essentially what he's known for at this point. Yeah, I think he also... He kind of does both. He did The Leftovers. The Leftovers, and then he's got that current Apple Plus show, Mosquito Coast. Mosquito Coast, which is funny, because he's with Melissa George in that, and she's in this movie with him as one of the blonde starlets. So how funny... Melissa George was one of the... Okay, she would be my that guy. There you go. (laughs) She's the girl who... um, like is singing on the set and he's like oh, mesmerized wow. by her. And then yeah, she whispers yeah. in Camilla's ear and makes Naomi jealous. And I have no idea what that means, but yeah, Melissa George is in this. She just doesn't have any lines. So yeah, she's, she's a good, that guy. That's, that was one of my picks. My, that guy would be Melissa George, Dan Hedaya, mm, who yep. um, has another absolutely bizarre scene with the guy spitting out the espresso, but Dan Hedaya from clueless and everything. Um, There was someone else, that guy. Oh, I don't know his name, which maybe makes sense. That's for that perfect. Guy, yeah. The the there's a couple of them, but the 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 that guy who was talking about the scary dream with the scary yes. bum, he's popped up in different things. His name's Patrick Fischler, and then another guy of that similar um, kind of level. I don't know his name. The blonde shooter guy who we saw. Yes. Then, yes. At the he end, he popped too. in different things as sort of like a grungy guy in this time period. So, you know, nice. I got to ask yeah. is the, the, in the shooter scene, which is super bizarre. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. funny. I mean, I was like laughing my ass off and I was like, wait, am I supposed to find this scene funny? But right. is the woman, anybody famous? The one, the, the heavy set. Assistant? Like, <laughs> I know she is, me? Like, she is so bizarre. So was she shot, but she thought something bit her. <laughs> she, <laughs> she were, she reminded me. I don't know if you guys thought the same. She reminded me of the like the heavy set lady from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, oh I could uh, see the, that. The remake. Yeah, the one she's like, yeah. oh, mama, oh, mama, mama, mama. Yeah, yeah, and like her chin is, like, yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, this, and also, uh, well, we'll get to. I have so many questions. We'll get to them later. I don't want to hold us up, but yeah, that scene was bizarre. So, six man of the film award. So, the best supporting player. I think this one was easy for me. I went with Laura Elena Herring as Rita and Camilla mm. Rhodes. She is fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible in this movie. She really hasn't done anything since. It's weird. Yeah, it's strange that this didn't help her take off like it did for Naomi. Yeah, I agree. Do you guys? So, you know? I, I assume you, uh, Tom and Mark, you guys have the same person, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. For me, it's her, but also I love the landlady, the old, very Hollywood landlady. I forget her name, who then we see later is Justin Thoreau's mom, Coco, who then is, I love her. I think she's interesting and has some interesting stuff to do. So I also give her a little supporting uh, shout out. Ryan, you got anyone here? Uh, Actually, I have the, I I know he only has like two scenes. You're going with the arm. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the arm from. uh... I wanted to go with the arm. I really did. So the arm, the arm. So the arm is the little person in Twin Peaks. Oh yes, 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 totally. Yeah, I remember him from Twin. Well, I went with yeah. the cowboy because he gave me, I think, the most memorable line in the movie. Which was? 
if you see me twice, if you see me once, you've done good. If you see me twice, you've done bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. That that is a great line. You're so right, Ryan. That's a great line, and it's kind of creepy. But I just wish that actor was better. Uh, he was directed to just say everything in such a like stone face monotone. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, next one, I think we all probably will have the same same one here. The Becky O'Shea Icebox Award. Who is the MVP of the film? Naomi Watts for me. There is no. I think there is no one here yeah i mean naomi is is just uh, uh, truly mesmerized tom your 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 face is worrying me are you going with someone else so no i want to say naomi but i have to say whoever plays the woman who's singing that opera song oh yes spanish opera song in that bizarre theater scene toward the end of the film that she was truly mesmerizing. Like I could not take my uh, eyes off of her, and I knew that she was lip syncing, and it wasn't really her voice. But the way she lip sang, I mean, she would make RuPaul dra- uh, proud um, because she, <laughs> she yeah. was just phenomenal. So, like, I kind of want to give her like some an honorable mention. But yes, Naomi was. You never know. She she might have been the one singing, just maybe was lip syncing to the track. But that might be her voice. I don't it know. Could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, right, you have the same person. I have Betty and Rita. Ty. Yep. Both nice. of them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then last category here is called Peaks and Valley. Who peaked at this movie and who had the best career after this movie? So for peak for me, I went with Laura Elena Haring because she should have done so much more after this. And she kind of just peaked here and then went off and never really did anything this big again. Uh, yeah. Tom, same thing. Mark, same yeah. thing. Yeah, for me, it's definitely Laura. It's a shame, and I'm trying to think if if anyone else peaked, but everyone else is pretty, you know, smaller. So it's definitely her, which is a shock because she is stunning and she is good. So yeah, I don't get it. Ryan, you have someone else. Justin uh, Thoreau. He won I Emmys. Don't... I didn't. I didn't recognize him at all. Like I felt actually, until you guys mentioned his name, I had him down as the director because I didn't even remember his name in general. You didn't know oh, David okay. Lynch directed this, Ryan? No, 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 no not he, the he director. He played. Oh, as the director, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Come on. <laughs> and you and, know, fun fact about Justin Thoreau. You guys know he wrote um, Zoolander. Right. Or at least he wrote oh. Zoolander 2 and he's in Zoolander 1 as the DJ, which came out right around the same time. So he was having a little bit full of di- full but he wrote like Tropic Thunder, random comedy. Full disclosure, guys. I hate I hate, hate, hate Zoolander. I'm You're kidding. You yeah. But I <laughs> oh love my God. I love Tropic Thunder, but I hate Zoolander. I'm different on Zoolander. Oh, my God. That's so funny. All right. Well, I guess you can't be on my show when we talk about Zoolander. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Um, and then for Valley, best career after this, I went with Naomi Watts. But I actually think, even though he had his Oscar nomination here, David Lynch's third season of Twin Peaks is some of the best things I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, everybody raved about that. That was but, when it was on Showtime, right? Yeah, yeah, but I can honestly say, Tom, you'll hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh yeah, I know I will. I I only know so aside from Mulholland, the mm-hmm. only David Lynch work I'm familiar with is Twin Peaks and it's because I remember as a kid watching some episodes while my mom used to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um so that that's like my only familiarity with him and I remember very vividly some episodes and it being very weird and I have no interest in season 3. <laughs> yeah, the with season 3 it takes the weird to a whole new level. A whole new level. It's like really? it's like it's like oh. I 
it's like I mix cocaine, ecstasy, and shrooms, and just said, you know what? Let me let me just have it all at once, and then there's Twin Peaks season three. I loved it. I think it's mm-hmm. there's some masterful stuff in it, but it is definitely not something that I'd sit here. Hey, uh, John Do- John Doe, watch Twin Peaks season three. You're gonna love it. It's not something I would honestly recommend to a lot of people because it definitely goes into places that are even weirder than than this. There's mm-hmm. essentially like one of the characters that you love, you really don't see until like the sixteenth episode. Oh my god, how many uh, episodes was it? Eighteen. It was. It was oh, long, wow. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, so uh Lynch shot everything at once actually. So he shot it as a movie. So he shot it as an mm. eighteen hour movie and then it was split into the into each episode. So the continuity wise is, is pretty is pretty consistent. And then um Matthew Lillard, some of the best work he's ever done is isn't Oh my god, scene. he was in that? Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. He is fanta- wow. he is fantastic in it. Uh but yeah, so but for Valley for me, Naomi Watts, uh I think she's probably had the best career act out of the actors here uh ryan you have a smile on your face why because i have someone i had to geek out for so i had to put him on here somehow who mark uh pellegrino pellegrino yes that's the guy that's the blonde shooter who i was like oh my god that's we've seen him that's my that one of my that guy people i like him lucifer Ta- man oh that's lucifer <laughs> oh from lucifer? uh Supernatural. I wish Leo was here. Oh, I oh, thought you meant the, the Lucifer with the hot, the hot Lucifer. That's what I thought too, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's a supernatural Lucifer. I wish Leo was here. Ah, yeah, Tom, he's good. He pop, he's popped up in a lot of things. Tom, what about you? Do, who do you have here? As the Valley, I'm gonna say Justin. I would Justin Theroux. Justin Theroux's career mm-hmm. it probably edges out Naomi Watts. Alrighty. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and then Mark, would you say Naomi Watts as well? So for Valley, definitely Naomi, of course, because, yep. man, she it's kind of crazy to think she like really skyrocketed in a fast because after this, it was the ring. The ring. And then like yep. she I mean, she was what a big, uh, you know, debut. Um, so Naomi, I say Justin. I also am going to say Bonnie Aarons because oh, she She's has had major horror movie cred now. Yep. And I'm also going to say a Valley w- would be someone who I would never have said this 20 years ago. Um, Billy Ray Cyrus has had was a valley right, because yeah. right as we thought, right as we thought he was like you know, uh, like a nobody. Then he's the father of Miley Cyrus and having this moment, and now he's with Lil Nas X making music. So I'm gonna also say this was a valley for him. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good one. The Bonnie Aaron's one, of course. I I, I couldn't yeah. I totally forgot to add her to this. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So moving on to just a legacy and answering mark's questions here because <laughs> uh, there's so many theories as to what exactly this movie is and what it's trying to do is it mm-hmm. a personality disorder what who is the real who is naomi watch really playing um mm-hmm. theory wise i'll start with mark on this one what are your some of your theories that you may have here <laughs> oh gosh um well i'll try to make it real short so i think um, I am wondering, is this movie about the many people who, especially women, um, who, you know, tried to make it in Hollywood, you know, worked their asses off trying to audition and stuff. It wasn't working. And so is this a bigger story about those, uh, people who just really, really tried to make it and fell and it didn't work out and they just sort of turned to drugs, alcohol, pills, yep. whatever, and became just know. like messes and now they're just like shadows of themselves is that what this is about 
because there are a lot of people like that, especially in LA. LA has such a high homeless uh, community. So I just wonder, like, is that what he's going for with the scary hobo and with Naomi's like downfall and jealousy of Camille Camilla's role in Justin Thoreau's movie? That's what I got. Tom, what about you? What do you spot on? I th- I think it's anybody who doesn't see that this is commentary about Hollywood and Hollywood life. Um, mm-hmm. They're really missing something. I mean, this movie's hard to decipher, but he's definitely trying to make some commentary about like the the negative aspect of Hollywood and the ugly side of it. And before moving on to Ryan, I wanted to actually because I agree with both of you. Uh, I had in my notes in terms of comparisons, this is a more straightforward narrative. But have you guys seen Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler? Yes. Oh yeah, I love it. Love so, I'm a big uh, Ryan and I are big pro wrestling fans, and the downfall of a post career when you are not one of the top guys is exactly the life of the wrestler, Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. I've been yeah. to many shows where you have guys that are just like charging ten bucks at you know at a table just to as an income, while you go to horror cons and you see this regularly. That is not their form of income. That is extra income because they are just so popular characters that you can just like make a living out of this charging 40, 50 bucks. These guys have no choice. Mm. I, I look at that and then I look at Mulholland Drive and I see kind of the same thing. I see a, a person that doesn't know what to do as a failure in Hollywood. And she succumbs to this life where she imagines herself as someone who we, she is not. The Camilla jealousy is there that you mentioned before. But I I see that as someone that the first half of the movie is her imagining what her life would be if she got to Hollywood. And yep. she actually was a successful actress that, you know, made it. The second half is the downfall. What really is her life? I point back to a scene in my notes that she... um when her and who essentially really is Camilla walk into the apartment and they see the dead body. Right. I think that's them seeing Naomi Watts at the end of the movie. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, okay, good. That makes sense. So what I'm confused about is, so then is that just who is with Camilla walking in? Is it just her uh, into the apartment? Cause if, cause it's Naomi and, and Laura Herring walking in, but then they see this dead body. If that's Naomi, so is it only Camilla? Because that my question is that because the woman that they are talking to in the apartment, she's staring at Camilla very strangely, mm-hmm. if you noticed. So it's like, is it as if Naomi isn't actually even there with her? It could be one of those situations like um, but Lynch never explains anything. But if yeah. you if you guys have seen Joker, the scene where you finally realize that Arthur has not been talking to anybody this yeah, entire as time. Yeah, beats his character. Like yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. when you find out he hasn't been talking to Zazie Beats, he's literally been by himself the whole time. Yeah, I think that's that, kind of like a oh shit moment. I think mm-hmm. that's what Lynch was trying to do here, but Lynch is not going to tell you that's what he's going to do because right, he right. doesn't do that. He doesn't he doesn't feel the need to explain things to you. He wants you to figure it out yourself. So that's what I got from that scene the first time, and that's why. I, love this movie so much because every time I rewatch it, it's like a puzzle. I find more pieces to put together. And that's where I got this time. I'm like, okay, I think that's, I think that's Naomi Watts. I think that's Mm. the, what's going to happen at the end of her life. 
I was just gonna say now is it after she shot herself because oh wait the, is the bed similar do we know that so at the very end in the last scene the bed that Naomi lays herself on when the mini yeah. old couple is like screaming and driving her crazy and she shoots herself is that the same bed as I think so I think uh, so yeah. and and yeah. also the positioning because I yes, think yes 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 when Naomi shoots herself she falls in the same position as yep. the body that yep. they see the only difference between the two dead bodies is i believe the body that they find or in the middle of the movie is a drug is someone that overdosed and the- it looks like the waitress a little bit yes I-, I noticed that the waitress diane and naomi i at first saw it when i rewatched it, i was like oh they kind of look alike and then as naomi kind of devolves a bit towards the end she has the same kind of like stringy hair as the waitress mm-hmm. and then her name tag changes to betty so yeah it's interesting yeah, how she this, like saw like a connection to the waitress. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, listen, I think I think this is great discussion. What we're doing right now is what Lynch wants us to do. He wants I guess us so. To, you're right. So yeah. in the end, the movie does work in terms of that. Uh, Tom, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say, uh, don't they find the woman that Naomi and Laura Herring find together though? Isn't she a brunette versus Naomi? Obviously, no, she's a blonde. blonde. She's a blonde. Oh, she is a blonde. She's like a dirty blonde. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And okay. the and the one giveaway for me this time around, as opposed to last, is that they never remove her body from the house. Mm, you never that's really, interesting. Yeah, you, you never really see a removal of the body. They just go off because I think after that is a sex scene. Yes. So yes, which so, is really bizarre. Can we talk about the sex scenes? Like go, that's I remember when I was when I first watched this, that's when I started really checking out because I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I mean, beautiful bodies. They look yeah, great. Yeah. It's great. It's truly like, you know, very sexual. But like, what in the world? So and why is Naomi then masturbating and crying? Like, it's what does that mean? I, Do you the, guys know that one? I got nothing. <laughs> So like it's probably it's, masturbating and crying because she's feeling rejection, right? I guess so. So she, so then basically the backstory is Naomi m- moved to Hollywood. Diane moved to Hollywood. She got a few small roles working with Camilla on set. Yes. Right. Um, and starts falling in love with Camilla or becomes yes. obsessed with her. Right. So that's the sexual stuff. Camilla is actually in love with the director, Justin Thoreau. And so that's right. why they're like flirting at the party and making Naomi upset. But why does Melissa George whisper in Camilla's ear and kiss her? Do we know? I don't. But you know something that you just brought up to my attention that if we're looking at a connection of different scenes from different points of time, the masturbation scene could be co- another correlation to we are not with naomi at the beginning we are with diane at that very moment dealing with that rejection that tom had mentioned before that's the only thing i could put together that one kind of like i was like okay you know is she just is this just being sexual for the sake of being sexual or is there actually something that's being trying to be told here yeah ryan you're kind of quiet do you have anything to add to these theories i actually have an exact opposite theory to everything you guys have said love it love it love it let's go what do you got I think everything in the very beginning is just normal, and then when she op- when uh Rita opens the box, that's when she kind of goes into a parallel universe almost, and then that's what we see, and then the lady behind the wall is Rita. So, do you mean similar to when almost a flashpoint? 
Dave. Or I was gonna say I was gonna say Flashpoint, but similar to when Cooper goes into the Red Room. Yes. And then Doppelganger Cooper comes out. Some something similar to that. Yeah. Only uh, yes. Only totally different reality instead of just a different person. Totally. It's an alternate reality. reality. Gotcha. Yeah, because mm. Twi- Twin Peaks does that because Twi- Twin Peaks deals with alternate realities and do- and doppelgangers. So hmm. I I can see where you're interesting theory Ryan I yeah. de- definitely not one that I thought would come our way I thought we would all be in agreement with the whole <laughs> down and out actress any other and, th- go ahead so Mom, does sorry. this parallel universe drive her to kill herself because she's still upset about uh, she does fall, like you guys are right she still falls in love everything that they explain happens and you guys are right she falls in love with her in a different sense in a different light. So that still happens. So she still kills herself because uh, she's driven to madness over what she's done. And now she kills herself. And I'm guessing that key that she opens, like, opens up to her madness and her guilt. Interesting. Oh, the key opening up her yeah. guilt. Because the, the key is I very important. I do love important. that shot going into the box and then it drops on the floor. And then that's when things are different. That's when, like, Naomi's aunt is back in the apartment right and then like the little people i don't understand the little old people but going back to doppelgangers yeah one thing that's weird is why does rita wear the awful that's something that did not age well that awful blonde wig oh my god it's bad but um naomi even says like i know what you have to do but let me do it and it's that like iconic moment where then like we see the reveal of what you know rita looks like in the wig in the mirror what's up with the wig why does she need to have a blonde wig do you guys know I, who she was, I want to say, because I oh, think she yep. had that sense of who she was, that she was in danger. So she wanted to hide it. That's why she like wanted to take on a different personality. Yeah. Or okay. just or just not or the aspect of not being happy with who she is. And she wants to create this alternate world, like Ryan mentioned, of being someone yeah. else, which huh, okay. is something a lot of people do. They're not happy with yeah. themselves. So they create this alternate reality of, you know. A world that doesn't really exist. Um, I, I, I have, the, I, just for Tom, because I know Tom mentioned like what's age worse is this movie. So BBC in 2015 actually ranked Mulholland Drive as one of the as the 20 one of the greatest films of all I time. I know. <laughs> um, other theories. Do you have anything else before we move on to the fun? Some facts about the movie. Well, I don't have a theory, but I have another question. What's up? Let's go. (laughs) um, So the shooting scene. Yes. um, Let's talk about that. So Mark Pellegrino, the blonde guy, is talking to his friend. Notice how Mark Pellegrino has two different color eyes. Yes. But then later when he's with Naomi at the diner, they're the same color. So don't know what that means. I did not notice that. Yeah. yeah, That's that's where I think the Pellegrino you see at the end is the real Pellegrino. And then the other one is more of a vision event. And he is... And that vision is in Naomi's mind? Mind, yeah. Okay. So, because, yeah, because we see at the end, Naomi is in the diner, Winkies or whatever it is, with Mark Pellegrino. She she gives him the headshot and says the line that everyone's been saying. This is the girl of Camilla slash Rita, right? And and so is he – so then he goes to his long-haired friend's office – to get a black book is that to find camilla's address address yeah okay so naomi basically naomi has lost her mind and she wants to kill camilla, camilla. yep gotcha because she's so obsessed with her 
Okay, but then why when he shoots the long-haired friend, why does his hair stick out to the side with the blood? Did you guys catch that? That I was very did. weird. Yes, I it was did. very bizarre. Yeah, very, what does that mean? That I have Do no you know? idea the symbolism there, but I caught that as well. I also think that that scene itself reminded me of Pulp Fiction in terms of how Tarantino plays with placement of scenes. And you mentioned another movie just from, from 2000, 2001, Memento. Like, it's mm-hmm. all about, like, where does this scene fit in the puzzle? That scene where she's finding this little, he's finding this little black book to find Camilla, I think takes place in Diane's reality, not the Naomi we meet in the beginning. Right. I don't know. It's, it's, okay. it's just, I don't know. There's so many, there's so many ways you could put this puzzle together. And I think, and, and the swing dancing in the beginning and then the little old yep. people, um what's up with that, that so i was going to bring that up and maybe brian or tom can comment on it i've seen this movie twice now and i still don't get the old couple i don't understand their purpose and they're they act such a specific way the first time yes. you see them and then it's the second, creepy even yeah. the first time you see it like that that perma smile that's yeah. like on her yeah, face that weird smile they look at each other as if like she's the one that we're gonna make we're gonna make her lose her mind this is exciting and then at the end, they come out of the box and they're really little, but then they're big and they're they're the ones that cause her to shoot herself. And then that that's really that great visual of all the smoke in the room. I remember that very well. So, yeah, what's up with the old people? She oh. meets them on the plane. They're, they're very nice they're to very her. very parental, the way that they're treated yes. at the mm-hmm. airport, right? So, like, is, yeah. it, is, is that supposed to represent her past? Um, right. Maybe her past haunts her? Right. Or maybe it's that parents shouldn't her parents, her family, right? And and they right. haunt her in a way as she left them to go and try and pursue this thing. Uh, and could it mean that parents shouldn't let their kids go to Hollywood because they will lose their mind? That could Ooh. be it too. I like that. I like that a lot. I actually, know. I like that a lot because it it goes on the commentary that you mentioned that we've all agreed on, except Ryan about the whole fact that the movie touches on what the failures of a Hollywood actress would be and any parent would not want that for their child. And they know as an older individual, you're telling a, let's say, let's say Naomi's 20, 21 years old as a character. She's a kid. She doesn't know any better. You're as a parent, as a, like a 50, 40, 50 year old person, you can, you've been through the struggles. You'll say, right. this is, this is something that, Hey, if you want to do it, we may not be completely supportive of you because of what happened, but we are still going to be certain we're going to be parental. So it, it's very interesting. I like that concept that they could be the parents that say, you, you shouldn't be doing this. This maybe, right. maybe you should have a backup plan. Ryan, do you have anything on this one? On the old couple? Um, at first I thought it was a grandmother and I had no idea. Cause she called the, um, cause I couldn't pick up on it cause she called the old man something different mm-hmm. in the airport scene, but I couldn't pick up on what she said and I was too lazy to rewind to be completely honest. So, um, the, so this kind of leads, um, right. Did you want to add something else? And then all I was going to say is, but the end, I was just as confused as everybody else. <laughs> so I actually think the end where she kills herself, it's just, that's it. She's a, going through the last set steps of insanity everything is rushing through her head ryan perfect example is the end of twin peaks when a specific character yep. hears a specific name and you hear a scream and it just fades to black 
that's what that's what I feel the parallel is there. Everything is just rushing into her head at that very moment. Her reality, her dreams, her fantasies, and she just can't take it anymore and she just shoots herself. That's where I got from the ending. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I'm just overthinking it, but seeing seeing how Twin Peaks ended uh the return and seeing Mulholland Drive and seeing how that ended, I do feel like Lynch likes to put someone's paranoia on display at the very end and its finale can end one way or its finale can end another way uh before we finish up there is a david lynch 10 clues to unlocking mahalan drive because people so people had you know questions like we all have and we've talked about throughout the episode about theories about mahalan drive so he actually released these clues to assist in understanding the film number one Pay particular attention in the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. Number two, notice appearance of a red lampshade. Number three, can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? Mm. Next up, an accident is a terrible event. Notice the location of the accident. Num- the next one, who gives a key and why? Because there are exchanges of keys multiple times throughout the movie. there are two different movie. blue keys. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up, notice the robe, the ashtray, and the coffee cup. Next up, what is felt, realized, and gathered at Club Silencio? And I think, and I'm going to get back to that because I think that's actually the most important clue. Um, yeah. Next up, did talent alone help Camilla? The real Camilla. And I'll say no, because she's essentially sleeping with the director. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is another connection to kind of the Hollywood stereotypes of the day. And what uh, would what would frustrate other actors. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, notice the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. There's someone behind at Winkies that we should have paid attention to. Well, the guy that tells the scary dream is then standing where his friend st- stands. Oh, 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 wait, sorry. Can you, maybe I'm thinking of the yeah, wrong Yeah, no, can you sorry, Reed. Yeah, so it says, yeah. notice the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. Okay, like and the, then, the scary bomb, okay. And then uh-huh. the last clue is, where is Aunt Ruth? So those are 10 clues that Lynch has given Aunt us. Aunt Ruth is in Canada, or so says Naomi yeah. filming the movie. So I think the silencio is where I think that the complete downfall happens. You mentioned the the dropping of the box, but I think Club Silencio is where all because you see Naomi's character, who I think at that moment is Diane. She's just Mm -hmm. she's in tears throughout the performance. I think at that moment is when she realizes that what she is, who she is. She's a failure. She's not going to accomplish anything that Camilla is going to accomplish. And at that very moment is where everything pretty much downfalls. Because from there we go to the um, the dinner scene. And then ultimately mm-hmm. we get to the end of the movie where she kills herself. I think that's really important. But if you guys ever decide to watch that movie, this movie again, those are 10 clues you can look for. There is an article. That's really interesting. Huh? There's an article. It's called 25 Years Later Site.com that actually 
has screenshots of those specific clues with within the movie. So oh, if you want nice. right. to right. work for us. Yeah, so we don't have to do the homework. Uh, it's If you just uh, look up that site and search David Lynch's 10 Clues to Unlocking Mulholland Drive, it's there. So to finish up the podcast, I have a couple of quick facts about the movie. Um, number one, Mark mentioned earlier, the homeless lady in the alley is the nun herself. Bonnie Aarons. Wow. And when you watch it, if you ever watch it again, Tom, it looks exactly like her. It, it, oh, okay. <laughs> it looks exactly like her. Uh, number two, the set of reels that were distributed to the movie theaters included a computer-written photocopied note from David Lynch himself giving special instructions to the projectionists worldwide. Specifically, he did not want the film to be centered vertically on the screen, but rather to allow more overhead as a term in projectionists projecting the slang that is to let the top part of the frame be more visible than the bottom part this is because the film was originally made for tv with an aspect yep. ratio of 178 or 169 in mind without the projectionist's manual correction uh the aspect ratio of a theatrical release is 185 would have resulted in heads being cut off at the top of the silver screen so he had projectionists fix it in order for the film to look as it's expected for the theatrical release. And at the end of the note, he said the note ended with the words, your friend, David Lynch. Um, Before we move on, real quick. Yes, what's up? To go back to the first one, Dave, who's better, the lady behind the wall or got a light? Oh, got a light. Got a light. Got a light. So got a light is a homeless man or woodsman in Twin Peaks, The Return. That... Episode, if you guys have ever heard of Twin Peaks, The Return, Episode 8. Have you just heard the term Episode 8, Twin Peaks? I, I feel like I, I have, did, yeah. Yes. It is one of the best things you'll ever watch. I've ever seen on television. There is little to no dialogue the entire movie. Oh. It is essentially the creation of specific characters within Twin Peaks, thanks to the atomic bomb. And there is a character that the entire... The entire show episode, all he does is he goes around and says, Got a light, got a light, got a So it is creepy as fuck. And huh. he has another line at the end of the movie that puts people to sleep. And he actually kills someone at a radio station as well, which is violent as fuck it is yeah i'm gonna go with god of light man right yeah, wow light, i might yeah. have to just watch that episode yeah it, it, it is actually a very good standalone as for cool. twin peaks it's it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in terms of very artistic it's very artistic huh. it is if uh do you do you guys like terrence malick yeah sometimes so, yeah so yeah mm-hmm. i think he like for the most part i think he's extremely pretentious um mm. like tree of life is such a pretentious film to me it is Mm. if trio life was actually good um (laughs) okay that episode is essentially a tribute to kubrick's 2001 a space odyssey interesting it's it's really good stuff man i I actually i actually think you guys are actually dig it with even with how weird it is uh Mm -hmm. last two facts here uh abc executives rejected the original pilot because they felt that naomi watt and laura harring among other reasons, were too old to be television stars. Oh my god, how crazy! God. Well, it is it is interesting because Naomi, I looked up her age. She was thirty one when she made this film. So, yeah. and she, I guess she was playing someone like at least like 
eight years younger. So yeah. it was sort of an interesting age thing, but come on, that's crazy. And that's and, so crazy. And the reason I put it in, in these facts is because we look at the state of television now, anyone could be a TV star. It doesn't matter how old you are. Oh yeah. I feel like most of the shows totally. I watch are older, and older plus, people. Back and it, then, weren't know. they making like older people, teenagers all the time anyway? Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah. not even that, the other, the biggest counter that I have to ABC's argument and you know, I'm not, I'm not an executive, but the Sopranos were on and Edie Falco was one of the biggest woman, female stars yeah. on television and she was in her forties. So like, it's, it's just, it feels, it feels like they just wanted to scapegoat out of getting yep. this on as a pilot. And then last yep. con- last fact I mentioned before, David Lynch it was a lone director. So he is the fifth. There has only been 15 directors in the history of the Academy Awards to be lone directors. Lynch has done it twice. Martin Scorsese has done it with Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, Shortcuts was also for Al- Robert Altman for 1990 in 1993. I don't know who directed some of these movies because a lot of them are in the 20s. So Sorel and Son, Speedy, Two Arabian Nights, Drag, Weary River, Hallelujah, The End of Six Happiness, Woman in the Dunes, Alice's Restaurant, Fellini, Satricone, and then Blue Velvet, Last Temptation of Christ, Shortcuts, um, Mulholland Drive, and then most recently... um, uh, Foxcatcher director. I can't. I forgot his name. Ben oh. Miller. Uh, ben Miller. He was the lone director. Interesting. Huh. So, yep. So that wraps up this very interesting <sighs> conversation uh, about Mulholland Drive. Tom, I want to go to you first. Will you ever watch this movie again? Um, maybe. Yeah. No. Definitely. It's definitely not a no. Especially now that I know <laughs> that there's this uh, this article out there with clues from Mr. Lynch himself. So maybe. Yeah. Ryan, will you ever watch this movie again? Probably. Nice. Mark, you said you've had a couple of rewatches. Do you think I've had a couple of rewatches? And now that I know these clues and just having some of these, just talking about it, because I don't know if I've ever really talked about it much with people, it does help. So, yeah, I'd probably check it out like maybe in 10 years to see (laughs) for the the 30th anniversary. I, I, I will definitely be watching this again. I need. I am trying to get my wife to watch it. I don't know how that adventure is She's going to gonna go. She's not going to like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure she is not going to like it either. I just getting her reactions will be uh, will be quite the delight. Uh, but Tom, Mark, thank you so much for joining us this week. Actually, thank real you. Quick, this just hit me. Yes, go ahead, Ryan. Hmm. Um, it's funny that you guys were saying that uh, not re- uh, Betty was dead the at uh, one point because up until uh the neighbor saw her casey was sitting watching it with me for a little bit and she's like oh rita's gonna be dead watch and the neighbor saw her like never mind uh, oh interesting yeah. interesting so more of the story you got to watch more david lynch films guys yeah, yeah. i guess so Jeez. and i just remembered i just remembered one last question the the neighbor woman who said I'll, i switched apartments with diane i'll walk you down there that was played by a different actress later if you notice, it was yes. When Naomi's in, when we see Naomi as Diane, and the neighbor has to come get her plates or whatever, it's a different actress. So I, n- I never paid mind to it because I've seen Lost Highway, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just Lynch yeah. being Lynch and just changing characters because he fucking thinks it's a yeah. good idea. Um, yeah. But yeah, thanks again, guys. Mark, do you want to plug anything before we go? 
Uh, uh, just uh, if you liked this kind of conversation, check out my show every now and then. I'll have to have you guys on my uh, on a future episode of Release Date Rewind. And then, yeah, uh, keep your eyes peeled for uh, our movie Family History that Tom and I made. Uh, it's coming up at a few more festivals. You can go to um, at MJPPOV on either Instagram or Facebook to see updates because we have more festivals, including a horror con. Um, in New Jersey, New Jersey, Jersey Horror yep. Con. Uh, oh, I actually, I actually will be covering that. Oh, oh cool! So, oh, look at that. So, so I, I, I think about going in person. I, so. I, I yeah. think, I, I think I want to interview the director. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, cool. Awesome. And producer, there you go. Yeah. Awesome, Tom. Do you want to plug anything on your end? Nope, I'm good. And Ryan, I know what you want to plug. Check out Main Event Room Table Podcast. Awesome. Until until next week. See you at the movies, kids. Thank you.